it's just too much, Natalie. Natalie is a true yogi in every sense of the word. She is kind of an enigma. I want her to be my big sister. I want her to be my mama. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to the Untitled Gen X podcast, a podcast dedicated to the pop culture that raised us. I'm Lori, a writer and pop culture lover who's simply delighted to welcome my friend, Lori Stack, to gush all over Queen Natalie Merchant and her debut solo album that spoke to our fierce, delicate souls. Yes, dear tender hearts, we're talking about 1995's Tiger Lily. But before we get into the poetry of the album, I'd like to tell you all about my girl crush, Lori. Lori is a yoga instructor, part owner of Yoga Tavana certified wellness educator, theater graduate, and total gen expert. She's also the wife of Kenny, who you all met in the Breakfast Club episode. So if you haven't heard it, go check it out. She's also the mother of two daughters and keeper of the most generous heart. Welcome to the podcast, Lori. Oh my gosh, Lori Eek. I am so excited to be here. Oh my gosh. And, and talk to you and talk about our beloved Natalie. What a dream. I'm just so thrilled to have you here. You guys, I went to high school with Laurie. She was a year older. She's a phenomenal actress. She's an incredible woman. She's a style icon. And I asked her like, you know, what's a bit of pop culture you love? And she was like 10,000 maniacs. I was Mm -hmm. like, hell yes. And I asked you, yes, would you be okay covering Tiger Lily? you know, Natalie's debut solo album, because I've actually had a lot of people ask for it. And you were like, yes, I'm so excited. I I mean, I can definitely see why the demand was there for Tiger Lily. I mean, I can't wait to get into this with you. You know what? Let's start by talking about your love for 10,000 Maniacs. How did you come to know them? What was your favorite album? I mean, 10,000 Maniacs discovered them in high school. I think my junior year in high school, they were played on K-Rock. That was a radio station. Listened to every single morning, Kevin and Bean. Oh yeah. And just hearing 10,000 Maniacs in my tribe. And even when our time in Eden, you know, I mean, those were my favorite albums our time in Eden, I, I really can listen to that album over and over again, even to today, you know, so many amazing songs came out of it, you know, from these are the days, what an amazing song, like, and, and for me personally, I mean, we played it in our wedding. I mean, oh. it was an, our slideshow. I mean, I love that song, you know, true and true. I'm still always singing it around the house. I just, I I love that song. I I love that album. And I just think about high school and just the music that was out during that time Yeah, and how it was, you know, so different from that Dr. Dre type hip hop. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it just was so warm and lush. And I I really love those two albums just so much. They're both so incredible. And I told you, like, maybe we could cheat a little bit and we could talk about the video for These Are Days and maybe even Because the Night, because I love both of those songs so much. And when you were talking about These Are Days, I tell you that song, 
I loved it way back when, but it kind of fell out of my consciousness. And I wish that it hadn't because when my son graduated high school in 2020, you know, it was like the shittiest year. Like, oh, it was like the actual worst. And I put together this graduation video for him and I was looking for songs. And I wish I had remembered this song because there's so many blessings ahead of you, like recognize where you are in the beauty of this moment. And there's so much goodness that I hope for you in your life and your future. We're going to talk about this song and video near the end after we cover Tiger Lily, but I love that you have such a personal connection to that song because it really is just so beautiful. Right. Just so well-written, right? Oh, yes. Yes. And then also, you know, thinking about that band, you know, how they had been together for so long and, you know, writing that song that must have really felt like this is a special time, you know, because they already knew that they were going to break up. Right. right. And so for them to sing that song, like over and over again, like how beautiful that must've been for them. And it really is such a snapshot in time, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I feel like it's a difficult thing and maybe you're better at it because you are a yoga instructor and you're involved in a very spiritual profession that you're able to stop yourself in a day and be like, stop and recognize this moment. Stop and be here, live in it, know it, remember it, let it be a part of you, let it wash all over you. I am the actual worst at that. I am in like a mental frenzy (laughs) always. I struggle with anxiety. I'm often sort of disassociated with moments that are like really beautiful. And then when I lay in bed at night to go to sleep and I think about my day, it's then that I reflect back, oh, that was a really beautiful moment. But when I'm in it, right. I have a difficult time, like stopping to feel it. Yeah, no, I, I so hear you. And and that's how I got into yoga was, I I mean, I'm so much like you, Lori. I mean, just busy, busy mind, busy life. Yep. Always on the go, always needing to do something or feeling like I needed to do something. Right. And it was because, you know, being introduced to yoga that, I realized how much I needed to slow down and just, you know, enjoy the moment. And it's easier said than done. Right. right? Um, I'm constantly reminding myself of it as, you know, even in class, like the words that I'm saying, I'm also saying to myself to, to remind myself to enjoy the, the moment. And that also too gets super overwhelming, right? Where you're just like, I'm trying, I'm trying. I don't know what else to do. (laughs) It's actually comforting to hear you say that though, because as someone who is a pro in this space to hear that you actually struggle with this makes someone like me feel a little less alone in that, like, this is an ongoing practice. It's perhaps something that's never fully mastered. It's a journey. It is a journey. It is a journey. And, and that's what we also say about yoga is right. It's a practice that we want to be able to do until we're 99. Right. And it's, it's not the poses. It's the journey to get there. And you may not even get there through the poses or through the actions, but to enjoy the moment and know that there are going to be many ups and downs, but how you show up bringing you know, everything that you've learned, right? How are are you showing up in the moment when it's the worst, it's the best, right? How are you going to embrace it with all of you? You know, 
it's a lot, it's heavy, but you know, yoga was something that I just really gravitated towards. Mm-hmm. I started really practicing yoga in college when I was uh, majoring in theater and we had a directing class and our professor had us be in a circle where everyone is facing each other. And we had to do sun salutations in the exact same rhythm, going through all of the poses together and just working as a team. And, um, you know, so that was my real introduction into, (laughs) into yoga. I'm like, what the heck is this? And, you know, it just made me want to learn a lot more about it. That's amazing. And look how far it's taken you. Yeah. That song, you guys go back and listen to it and really listen to the words. It really is such like a gentle and beautiful reminder to slow it all down. Mm -hmm. And that was the vibe. Of course, that's a song by 10,000 Maniacs. But when I went back to listen to Tiger Lily, like really, really listen to it, like I used to do it old school, it felt to me, and it's so dumb. I'm going to sound like such a basic bitch saying this. Like it sounds so, so basic, but like the weather's kind of starting to change. It's a little bit cooler here in LA. And I was like, Ooh, this feels so like, like chunky knit sweaters and cozy blankets and bare feet and like autumnal candle scent over here and like soft light. Like (laughs) it was just such like a vibe. I felt so warm and comforted by Tiger Lily. And as a young person, you know, this album came out in 95. I was in my first year of college. And I was leaning in hard to more of like the folkier sound. And I'm a huge fan of seventies, easy listening music. So it's not such a stretch for me. I love my Joni Mitchell, but Natalie, I just felt like she understood me. So I just, I felt an instant personal connection to her. She always seemed really wise to me. Even as a young person, I was like, she's an old soul. For sure. An old soul. Yeah. And I mean, her voice, it's just so unique and it's a mood, right? It's a total mood. And especially with this weather, this, you know, gray that we're experiencing when we never get to experience any weather in Southern California. (laughs) So to listen to it and to be honest with you, I cannot listen to the whole album without at least one song triggering the tears. So true. Okay. I'm a Pisces. Water comes easy. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll just be, you know, I have my earbuds in walking around, listening to it. And uh, it'll just trigger the waterworks. It'll be one song one day, (laughs) another song the other day. The album is heavy. Yes. Like when I listened to Beloved Wife, it hit me in a way that it had never hit me before. And I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. I don't know. That song, it really got me on this album, maybe more than all the rest of them this go around. Yeah. I think listening to the song back in the day, right when it first came out, I don't think a beloved wife really stood out to me as it does now, you know, in middle age and just the importance of it. I mean, my whole life, I wanted to be married and have kids. I mean, that was my dream. Right. And to be loved. I mean, this song, how does this person go on? I mean, no, their other half. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful. So, you know, struck with grief and just super deep. I don't think I paid as much attention to it as much as I do now. Right. I mean, that is the telltale sign to me of a great album when you can revisit it at different times in your life, different stages, 
And it teaches you something over and over and over again. And you're learning from it continually. Certain lyrics are jumping out at you that you just brushed by for years before. You can know an album so well. And it just, it starts to hit different depending on what you're going through, you know, what stage your kids are in. Yes. It's really such a gift. And that's what this album gave to me. And that's, I believe, what it continues to give to Natalie's fans. And so if it's been a while, you guys, go back and revisit it. It is so, Mm -hmm. so worth a listen. Yes. These songs are timeless. They really are. And they really just hold up through the years. Wow. No, I agree. This album is a big wow for me too. And I felt it, I felt it all in a really big way. So I'm just so excited that we're going to get into it. And I thought maybe we should talk a little bit about Natalie and her history and what her life was like when she was growing up. In her youth, Natalie was exposed to a lot of music. TV wasn't big in their house. She just leaned in really hard to the arts. Natalie said, I was taken to the symphony a lot because my mother loved classical music, but I was dragged to see sticks when I was 12. Someone threw up next to me and people were smoking pot. It was terrifying. I remember sticks had a white piano, which rose out of the stage. It was awe inspiring and inspirational. I mean, I love sticks. So I was like, yeah, (laughs) it sounds like a good time. (laughs) Yes. And for her to remember it like that. Yep. I remember, you know, taking my oldest at 12 to see her first concert, which, you know, was Taylor Swift. And love it. I have video where she's just taking it all in the lights, Taylor, you know, everything that's going on around you to, right. to have that first experience of a concert. It's pretty incredible. And it's something that will stay with you forever. I mean, I remember my first concert. I'm sure you do too, Lori. I do. I mean, Who was your first concert? It was Madonna. It was from the (gasps) Who's That Girl tour. Oh, such a good one, Laurie. Oh my gosh. Yes. Our neighbors invited me to go last minute and I just was in awe. That's (laughs) wild. My first concert was Elton John. (laughs) Elton John. That is rad. I got tickets uh, when I graduated high school. (laughs) (laughs) So... At age 17, Natalie began singing lead vocals with an alternative rock band, and they were called Still Life. And this is the band that later became 10,000 Maniacs. And together, they released seven albums. And in 1993, Natalie embarked on a solo career because she was yearning for greater creative freedom and artistic control. So I had read a quote, I don't have it here written, but she had said something like, she was just tired of, what did she call it? Something like art by committee. I had read that once she finally told the band, like, I'm ready to move on. One of the band members said to her, like, I'm surprised it took you this long. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that last album, it was so successful for them. And so that must have been such a weird feeling for her. Like, am I still going through it? Am I still going to leave now this successful band? We've done everything. Right. And to start on my own. And she was ready, right? She was 30 years old when Tiger Lily came out or when she wrote Tiger Lily. Interesting. And so you think about 30, and that's a really pivotal year for a woman. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're starting to step into what it is to truly be an adult. I mean, I think we like to think of ourselves in our 20s like, oh, I'm so grown. I'm in my 20s. But it's not till you're in your 30s where the world starts to actually see you as an adult. Mm -hmm. You're just ready to sort of embrace a new version of yourself. And your vision for what you want your life to become becomes clearer. I firmly believe that to be true. And that began for me in my 30s. Yes, I would say for me too, in my 30s, just having a clearer picture of really what I wanted in life or what I thought my trajectory was going to be. It also can provide a lot of new opportunities with new fresh eyes, you know, because you can still be creative and change. And, you know, Natalie has done that when we talk about legacy of the album, what she's doing now, but Natalie has lived nine lives. She's a phenomenal woman. And so, you know, as she has grown into herself as an artist and as a woman and mother, her life goals for herself have changed. And unfortunately though, for 10,000 maniacs, Once Electra Records signed Merchant as a solo artist, they canceled their contract with 10,000 Maniacs. So it actually hurt them. I didn't know that. Yeah. And according to the Gazette Review, the events and the feelings of loss and separation they caused were among the inspirations that Natalie used when writing material for Tiger Lily. So Tiger Lily was released on June 20th, 1995. And she actually ended up being part of the Lilith Fair lineup in 1997 and 98. Did you attend Lilith? Heck yeah, I did. And I saw her at the Rose Bowl. Yes, I did. Oh, okay. So I attended Lilith with Kate in 97 and she wasn't part of the lineup. I'm so upset about it. So you saw her. Yes. So she was part of the lineup. The following year. So yeah. So in June, got to see her with the Indigo Girls. Nice. Who I had recently discovered. Um, and then, you know, with Sarah McLaughlin. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. I have vivid memories of the little fair just walking around and oh my gosh, there was just such a female vibe. It was so awesome. It just was really empowering and exciting. Um, Never before did we have this kind of experience in the indie world, it seemed like, but I still remember it. It was so great. Lilith was my first festival ever. And our lineup included Jewel and Tracy Chapman, Indigo Girls were there, Paula Cole. I'm trying to remember who else. It was really great. I mean, of course, we were so broke. We were in college. We had lawn seats, like (laughs) the worst seats, but there were so many stages and you could check out like up and coming artists. And there was just such a vibe of sisterhood. Mm -hmm. It felt so communal. It felt so safe and it felt almost sacred. I felt like I am part of something that has never been done before. And it just, it felt so special as a young woman. It felt so special to be there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I felt the same. I, I it was really exciting to, to be a part of, and it was not my first festival. I, I loved all of those different festivals during the time, you know, with Lollapalooza and all mm-hmm. of that, but something was just so special and my favorites 
having Natalie there. You know, I, I feel like I grew up with Natalie. So, you know, that was actually the only time I saw her in concert. Was it? I was going to ask you if you had had the opportunity to see 10,000 Maniacs. No, I, I didn't. Yeah, that would have been amazing. Wouldn't it? <laughs> you know, I, I listened to the MTV Unplugged album from 10,000 Maniacs and Oh my God, what an incredible live album. We're going to talk about Because the Night. We're going to cheat. We're going to do it a little bit later because I have to. But God, what a good album. I wish I was there. Oh my gosh. But when those Unplugged started coming out, I mean, I grew up on MTV. I really still loved MTV at this point. And when they started doing these Unplugs, I'm like, what is this? This is genius. And then Natalie with the full orchestra and all of the wind instruments when she came out and did hers and oh my gosh, that was just incredible. And I remember her haircut and the dress, the lilac tights, those chunky Mary Janes. Like it was just so of the time that unplugged session felt yeah. very theater in the round. Like you're a theater yes, person, you yes. know, because it was like the back of the pianist was to her. Like they were all facing different directions. Yeah. And it just, it gave this like really powerful energy, the way it was all designed. And mm-hmm. she is such an incredible live artist. I mean, she sounds so good live. You know, not everybody does, but she does. Oh yeah. She's a powerhouse. Incredible. So Tiger Lily specifically. Yes. Do you have any specific memories of this album? Yeah. I mean, I remember having the CD. I, I remember just the time in my life when this album was out, it was, you know, I was in college and I was living in um, San Diego County for the first time being on my own. And, you know, it was kind of like this weather, it was a little melancholy, just trying to figure it out, but it was also a really creative time in my life. And I feel like I really grew up with Natalie her voice has always been there for me. Uh, And so I had these long drives from where I lived in Oceanside to where I had a drive to Mm -hmm. Cardiff to go to school and always listening to her. And then when I transitioned to go to um, San Francisco, that's when uh, Ophelia came out, her second album. And that album is my favorite, to be honest. And that really comforted me because again, in a time where I'm trying to figure things out, I'm also in the most creative time of my life, um, but I'm by myself and her voice and the songs just really supported me through my college years. And um, when I think about, when I listen to those songs again, they just immediately bring me back, you know, to my car, my bedroom, it's weird. I know. I felt very comforted by her and her voice also in a real sort of big sister sense. Yes. She seemed like someone who had answers that I didn't have at that time in my life. So I gravitated toward it. Yeah. And just, there's no voice like her. Her voice is so unique. It's mm-hmm. so rich and complex. It's so feminine but different. It's it's hard to describe, but is very comforting sound to me. And um, she's such a storyteller when I read her lyrics and just really listening to her, listen to her songs. I mean, she is just such a storyteller. It's amazing how simple and uh, articulate she is. Absolutely. 
Speak to my tender heart, <laughs> our tender hearts, our fierce and delicate heart. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> So this album, it did very well. It reached number 13 on the Billboard 200. It went five times platinum. There were three singles from the album, Carnival, Wonder, and Jealousy. And I would like to talk about all three of those if you're down for that. Yes, yes. So Carnival was the lead single from the album. And according to songfacts.com, she refers to this song as her New York song because it was written all about New York City. In fact, she told VH1 Storytellers, which by the way, just as an aside, I really miss VH1 Storytellers. Did you not love that show? I loved it. I loved it. I know. Me too. Bring that back. Right? Yes. Okay, so she said, Carnival really evokes for me what it's like to walk down any avenue in the city. I grew up in the country, so the nearest thing I ever experienced to walking down the street in New York was a carnival. New York City is an amazing city, but what I love about it even more than places like Los Angeles is that everybody at some time has to deal with other people. It's not a car culture here. I like that. People have to rub against each other. I like to take the subway. I like to study people's faces, try to imagine their stories. In the song, I see the city as a stage, as a spectacle, as a carnival, and as a madhouse. Because sometimes it is that. It's a totally insane place to live. When I was 16 and I visited for the first time, I said, I'm going to live here someday. You've got to be careful what you wish for because sometimes it comes true. Mm. What are your thoughts on New York? I have to be honest. It's not really my vibe. I can appreciate it and I can appreciate it as a visitor. I'm actually overwhelmed by the fact that you have to rub up against people in New York. I, I think I'm just so accustomed to my car culture here in L.A., Right. Oh, I so get you. It's like, where do they cry? Do they I know. Where cry do they cry down the street? I mean, Laurie, this <laughs> is the question. Where do they cry? Are you a crier? I'm such a cr- Kate's a crier. I'm a crier. Oh, oh my girl. gosh. And so, and I use my car. Yes. Or something just triggers. (laughs) If you're listening to Natalie on the street, are you just going to cry in public? I mean, maybe you are. I think you are. For me, I love New York. I, you know, came to New York the first time at 14. I said the same thing to Nat as Natalie. I'm going to live here. And then going to school in San Francisco when we graduated, so many friends moved to New York. My best friend was moving to New York. Oh, wow. Um, I was fascinated. But, uh, you know, my boyfriend, Kenny, who ended up being my husband, he was like, well, if you want to get married and have kids, we need to have a support system. And, you know, didn't feel like, you know, we would have that out there. Okay, so we decided yeah. not to move out there. But I love New York and I'm very grateful that my best friend <laughs> lives there because I get to go visit her awesome. a couple times a year and, um, you know, rub elbows, mm-hmm. you know, see that carnival scene out there. But um, I do love having my car. So that would be hard. We got to cry somewhere, Lurie. Some of us just want some privacy while we cry. <laughs> right. Okay, so this music video was directed by Melody McDaniel. She actually directed The Cranberries' Linger, Tori Amos' God. Wow. 
Madonna, Secret, and many others. So pretty cool resume. Yeah. Powerhouse. Total powerhouse. And the video on YouTube has been viewed over 8.8 million times. We open on black and white footage of Natalie walking the streets in New York, and she's stopping to take pictures of the interesting people and places she sees. She's wearing a buttoned collared shirt and a skirt and a leather jacket. I totally dressed like that in college. Like that was my aesthetic. Were you similar? I was similar, you know, lots of dresses, but I love her messenger bag, very city look, Mm -hmm. you know, very San Francisco look at the time uh, with her chunky shoes and tights. And I loved how she looked in the video. And I do love that the video is black and white. I think that's very cool. Me too. Yeah. And so because like she's taking all these pictures with like an older camera it like the black and white footage, I assumed that the pictures she was taking were black and white. And so it was a very like artsy sort of vibe. I was into it. So we see a car wash and cabs. There are some elderly folks. She took an OG selfie in the video. Did you catch that with like all the people behind her? I caught that. And, you know, it's so crazy how much we pick up. Like we don't even realize it. All of the things that are going on around us, right? Even when we're trying to take a picture and we absorb it and we don't even realize how much we are absorbing. You may not even talk about it or think about it, but I really love this song and its message. Just the visual message of all of the things around you and how you you take it in. And I also love that it's so upbeat. A lot of these songs on this album are very they're heavy <laughs> down. And so hearing Carnival, you know, just the beginning, the songs with the drums and the beginning, like you're getting into it. It's like you want to move, you want to listen to it. And um, it's a jam. It's a jam. Like And I do believe that it really does with like sort of the funky percussion, it sort of like captures energetically the vibe of New York and just being on the street at any given time, any day, you're going to see something different. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people and each one of these people has an incredible story. It's sort of like, you know, the whole humans of New York aspect to it. Yes. We see these people in these videos. And I was thinking to myself while I was watching this video, I wonder what that person's story was. I wonder what Mm. they're up to today. And in a place like New York, where there's so much diversity and there are so many people and it's densely populated, it really does sort of make you wonder. And so I do feel like the video accurately depicted the wondering of it all. I loved it. I loved it too. And all the questions that she asks throughout the song, I mean, just so poignant and perfect for New York. It's sort of a love letter to New York. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't know if you knew this, Laurie, but the convicted serial killer, Eileen Wernos, this is a serial killer played by Charlize Theron in Monster. I was too scared to see that movie, though. Oh, Charlize was amazing in it. But Eileen killed seven men in Florida between 1989 and 1990. In a 12-month period, she killed seven men. Mm. She requested Carnival be played at her funeral. Wow. And Natalie allowed the song to be used in the closing credits of the 2003 documentary, Eileen, Life and Death of a Serial Killer. 
Natalie said, when director Nick Broomfield sent a working edit of the film, I was so disturbed by the subject matter that I couldn't even watch it. Eileen Wernos led a tortured, torturing life that is beyond my worst nightmares. It wasn't until I was told that Eileen spent many hours listening to my album Tiger Lily while on death row and requested Carnival to be played at her funeral that I gave permission for the use of the song. It's very odd to think of the places my music can go once it leaves my hands. If it gave her some solace, I have to be grateful. Mm. That is so much grace. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And just to think all those hours that she spent writing these songs, putting them together and how she says, you know, when they leave my hands, where do they go? because they're so precious to her. They mean so much to her and they mean so much to so many people, regardless of their actions or what they went through. And And you have to wonder, she listened to this album on repeat on death row. What was she reflecting on in the hours spent listening to this album? Because all of our stories are different. Like, I feel like anyone who loves this album can say, I was able to do a lot of self-reflection listening to this, like it spoke to my heart. I wonder what it said to her heart. I wonder what it made her feel. Let's talk about Wonder. This is the second single from the album. It reached number 20 on the Billboard Hot 100. I love, love this song. Mm. How do you feel about it, Lurie? Yes, I do. I love it. I love the upbeat part of it. It's another bright light on this album. Mm -hmm. I love what it stands for, for tolerance and inclusivity. Being a mom, it's in another time where I'm listening to the song with different ears than I had in my college years, listening to the song, loving it then, you know, but it's such a beautiful, powerful song. And I love how this has really like impacted, you know, so many people. Yes. And, you know, from books to movies, I mean, this song is just perfection, really. It is perfection. I mean, it's so empowering. According to songfacts.com, Natalie said, when I wrote the song Wonder, I wrote the song about a woman who was born with handicaps that seemed insurmountable, but she did overcome them greatly because she had a loving family, especially her adoptive mother. And then she went on to say, I've met a lot of people through this song. And they've told me they've taken it on as their song, that it Mm. describes them. It describes their strengths in spite of what others would see as deficiencies. Now, my mom contracted polio when she was nine months old. Growing up as a person with disabilities, it's a challenge unlike anything you can ever truly understand unless you're really, really in it. And the idea of being a child who is faced with these challenges and, you know, the doctors are telling you things and, and you're going through your treatments or surgeries, the people around you, your classmates are treating you certain ways. Everyone thinks they've got you pegged. And this idea of like, I'm so much more than what you see before you. Like there's so much in me. You don't even know. You don't even know the strength of my spirit. I'm going to do amazing things. And so we see from the lyrics of the song, it's weird because it's like it begins in first person and then it moves from the point of view of a parent. So you kind of see it both sides as, you know, a mother saying like, 
I know this child will be able, I know this child will be gifted. She'll make her way. I believe it. I believe in this child. And I don't, it's just such a loving message of hope and inspiration. And I love that people have taken it on as their own. Yes. And I never really noticed how it was written in first person like that, but just a mother's love for their child and how you can see so much in your kids. And you just really, really wish that they saw that in themselves. Right. So you can so understand that, but as far as having a disability and, and what your mom went through, I mean, I know my grandfather, he had polio and he walked with a limp his whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and thank goodness we eradicated that through vaccines. Right. Yes. (laughs) This is a beautiful song about love and about a mother's love and also having that hope and belief and faith that there's more, right? The music video, it's sweet. It was directed by Jake Scott, who's the son of film director Ridley Scott. Oh, wow. So he's directed like a million videos, but perhaps most notably REM's Everybody Hurts. Love that one. Smashing Pumpkins Disarm, Live Lightning Crashes, and Bush Come Down. Let's talk about the video. We see a bunch of women of like various ages and racial and ethnic backgrounds, and it's very communal and they're wearing dresses and they're singing this song while sort of dancing with each other. There's some young girls in the video and they're all singing happily. Uh, They show a beautiful girl with Down syndrome. These images cut to Natalie singing and dancing her signature, like Natalie's dancing. It's like spiritual yoga. Like, I don't know. How would you describe it? Like yes, vibe. I don't know. Right. <laughs> you can't see Lori right now, but she is like trying to express it. I'm like body. moving my hands yes. and I'm like, <laughs> because that's how she does it. Right. With her hips and her hands. She's so into it. So expressive. And you so see it in her face and just being so lighthearted, being around all of these beautiful women um, singing the song. And I just, I love it. I love that it's young and old. I love seeing um, just all different types of human beings singing and moving and grooving to this song because it's about humanity, right? And it's a beautiful song. It is a beautiful song. And in it, we see an older woman and she's cutting. She ends up cutting a, like a paper chain of people. So of course, all the people are, are holding hands and it's just a beautiful sentiment. Like you said, it's about humanity and coming together despite our differences to just be loving people in the world together. Okay. Jealousy. Jealousy was the third single and this song, I love this song, but it is so short. It is two minutes and 41 seconds. (laughs) It is the shortest little ditty. Okay. So my favorite lyric is she fine. So well-bred the perfect girl, a social deb. And is she the sort that you've always thought could make you what you're not? It's from the point of view of the jilted lover and sees her ex-boyfriend move on with someone else who's supposedly everything that she's not. I think we've all sort of felt that in some kind of way in our relationships. What are your thoughts on it? Oh yeah. I mean, the topic, it can be written over and over again, right? I think Olivia Rodrigo, Deja Vu, 
my kids are super into Olivia Rodrigo. So it's like this topic about jealousy or about being comparing yourself to another woman. It does not get old. And this song is so fun. I, I really love the video. She seems so lighthearted with the band um, just coming together, kind of tongue in cheek singing about this. And, um, you know, I, I know I definitely have experienced this in my life, you know, seeing somebody that I cared about, you know, move on with somebody and you're just comparing yourself, just Absolutely. working those insecurities just uh, even more. Right. Like, and it's so much worse now. Like I, I think about this feeling as a young person, like it was hard enough, but with social media, I cannot even imagine being able to go in and like creep the new girl's social and, and just like, who is this girl? Like, what does she have that I don't? You're seeing her highlight reel of life play out on social media and it, it plays into our deepest insecurities. Right. So mm-hmm. I just, I can't even imagine now, like I felt this back in the day and I didn't have anything like that going on. It was just, I'm sorry, but how, how would we even find out about this girl? Right. Like, yeah. How would we even find out. I mean, <laughs> But we did. We did. We talked to people like <laughs> we got the 411. We did what we had to do, Lori. We did it. <laughs> Figured it out. Yes. Yeah. These kids have it easy now. They do. <laughs> they could go down their own rabbit holes in the privacy of their cars and cry. Yes. <laughs> so the video was directed by Liz Friedlander, and she's directed music videos for like Everybody, like Alanis and Dido and U2 and Megadeth and Celine Dion. You know, those are two things you don't really hear in the same breath. (laughs) Megadeth and Celine Dion. Yeah. So the video, it's fun. Like we open on workers in a bra factory. Is that what that is? Yeah. I didn't really get the bra concept. Me neither. You know what, Lori? I have to tell you. In my memory, correct me if I'm wrong. You used to work at Victoria's Secret. Yes, I did, girl. Oh my God. Okay. So I remember this is just a little detour. Go with me for a minute. So, me and my best friend in high school were really sold on the advertising for the second skin satin bra at mm-hmm. Victoria's Secret. I yes. think that was like a giant big seller for them. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. Oh. So, those bras came out and I want to say like 93, 94. And we decided, you know, we were just these like good little girls who wore our, you know, jockey bras that our moms bought for us and whatever. And we mm-hmm. were like, we are women. We are becoming women. We need sexy bras. Like this yeah. is important for our development. And we want to wear these sexy second skin satin bras under our clothes and feel like women. So we are going to go down to the mall and we are going to go buy some. So we went down there, we saved our dollars and she was going to get the green set with the matching undies because she had green eyes. And I was going to get the blue (laughs) set because I have a blue eyes. And we walk into Victoria's Secret and who is there working? Laurie, it was you and you had graduated (laughs) the year before and I was so excited to see you. I remember you had pixie short hair. Am I right? I'm sure inspired by Natalie. Oh my God. And I was just like, oh my God, Laurie works at Victoria's Secret. She's so cool. She's so cool. Like she is a woman. (laughs) 
<laughs> and we're here trying to be women. That is my memory. <laughs> that is such an awesome memory. Yes. Right when that uh, store was opening up in the mall. Oh my goodness. I put in my application. I wanted to be around all of those pretty things. Yep. <laughs> and yes, that was, that was a popular bra. Oh my goodness. Yes. I just felt like the shit in that bra. I really did. I didn't show it to anybody. I didn't have a boyfriend, nothing. I was wearing that for me. And you know what? I felt all the femininity in the world just from wearing that second skin set. And I have to say, I was very empowered by it. Heck yeah. And then when you're wearing your second skin satin bra and you have the matching panty, you are on top of the world. I felt it. No one needs to know you know, (laughs) just celebrating coming into yourself as a woman with beautiful undergarments. I just think it's a really lovely concept. I think so too. And just celebrating that transition, yes, um, which is something to be celebrated. And we can relate it back to Tiger Lily. I mean, it is, it was a transition for her coming out on her own solo, but those transitions as clunky as they can be as awkward and all of our insecurities that we have when we're going through a transition and we're just second guessing ourselves and, and all of it. But yeah, I think that's beautiful. I I really do um, because I feel like it deserves to be celebrated. I agree. That transition um, from young girl to woman we have to celebrate all the things, all the little things we really we do. do. It's hard enough to be a woman. So let's celebrate yes. when we can. Absolutely. <laughs> Fit it in. So, okay. The bra factor. I, again, I don't know what that has to do with anything, but then we yeah. see Natalie and her funky fun band performing in what looks like a really chic loft in like New York. And they're just jamming. And then cool kids come in and they all start dancing and the aesthetic of the video, it's strangely, it's 90s and strangely 70s at the same time. Like cool. And it was a fun little video. So short, such a short song. I wanted more, but I loved it. Yeah. It's really vibrant. I loved all of the colors in the video. That yellow couch. Yes. I just feel like it just really popped. And it was from that time that, you know, the 90s time, tons of color. I loved it. She doesn't seem scorned at all. She doesn't seem worried about or jealous about anybody. No, she's just like there to perform and have a good time. I was like, I don't see anyone jealous in this video, but that's okay. I love the video anyways. And I love the song. I love the upbeat. And I think that we just need a, a break in this album where we just need to be able to in-house just to groove a little bit. And I think jealousy really brings it in even as short as it is. It's a great song. All three of the singles, these are the only three upbeat songs on the album and they are peppered throughout the heaviest songs. Wonder is the second track. Carnival is track number five and jealousy is track number nine out of 11 tracks. So you're right. We needed a break in this album and they're put in at all the right times. I mean, when we talk about this album, like for example, River, the song River about River Phoenix and his death from an overdose outside the Viper Room in Hollywood. I mean, that death hit all of us really hard. He was just such a talented actor and he was gone so soon. And it, it was not just 
the death of him as a person, because he was a beautiful soul, it was also the death of his art. And I think that loss felt really, really big to all of us. How did you feel about that? It was really heavy. Um, That song, honestly, I cannot listen to that song and think of his pictures. I will start crying. Mm -hmm. Being a young person during that time and not experiencing a lot of death at that time in my life, Mm just being so shocked. And I just love the line, let, let the youth of America mourn because it really was a time where we were just completely shocked by this beautiful boy really coming of age and just showing his amazing talent. And you could just see the potential his, his, he just had so much potential. Oh my gosh. And just loving all of his movies, you know, not only stand by me, but mosquito coast, mosquito coast, and Life of Jimmy Reardon are my favorite. I loved Dogfight so much. And my own private Idaho was so layered and deep. He was a performer with so much promise and it was devastating. I remember exactly where I was when I heard the news and for Natalie to write about that and like create a space for all of us that felt that in a really big way to sort of honor him. Yeah. She said she had met him and she said that, um, she knew his mother. when So she heard the news differently the way we had heard the news. And then when we're just thinking about, you know, paparazzi. Yes. And this was really, you know, the beginning of all of that, you know, thinking about his mother and what the newspapers, you know, what they were trying to do, trying to pinpoint him and to tarnish his image and just thinking about his mother. And I just think that is so beautiful, (sighs) you know, especially since, you know, we feel connected to that family. I mean, we grew up with him, you know, he was a child actor. We all loved his films and followed his career. And the lyrics say, why don't you let him be? He's gone. We know give his mother and his father peace, your vultures, candor, your casual slander, you murder his memory. And, you know, Stephen Thomas Earlwine from All Music said in regard to the album, her occasionally sophomoric sentimental poetry threatens to sink the album in the weight of its own preciousness. And he was referring to River. Overall, he liked the album. He actually gave it a really favorable review. But I mean, this critic thought, okay, this is a little over the top in the quote preciousness of the lyrics to this song. But I actually thought it was something that needed to be said. You know, Natalie, she doesn't like to be interviewed. She doesn't like media culture. She doesn't like the fame aspect of what it means to be an artist. And so she sees it from the other side as someone who's in the spotlight and maybe is uncomfortable by it. It's like, this is so gross. This is so sensationalized and we're losing sight of the real tragedy of it. It was a painful time for all of us. And, you know, this only happened six months, five months before Kurt Cobain died. Wow. And it was, again, another very defining moment. But so different. But so different. Yes. And I I really love her words. Let his image linger on, repeat it everywhere with candles and flowers, because I feel like it was really a hard time to even imagine that this young person at 23 was just taken, mm-hmm. you know, so soon. And, you know, I, I remember going down to the Viper room. I remember the flowers and candles and having to see, see it for myself as well. Oh, um, wow. 
I, you know, had posters of him in my room, just really loved, loved river. And um, I cannot listen to this song and and think of his pictures without crying Yeah, because, you know, it's, it's still triggers me today, you know, the impact of his death. The world missed out on a lot. Yes, they did. That beautiful boy. I know. Yeah. But I, I didn't even think that it was connected like six months later, Kurt Cobain died. Wow. That, I mean, just seems so different. So sad. When I think about how beloved this album is to our generation, I feel like critics would unanimously just adore it in the same way that we did, but they didn't. Al Weisel of Rolling Stone said, with its surfeit of blindly self-obsessed lyrics and lulling light rock arrangements, the bulk of Tiger Lily provides a perfect soundtrack for Prozac Nation. Mm. I mean, I read Prozac Nation. I, yeah, okay, fine. It's saying it's the perfect you know, soundtrack for those who are like basically all up in their feelings all the time and in therapy. And, and to me, it feels like it's dishonoring the spirit and the beauty of the album. For the intended audience, I think Natalie nailed it. And I think we were moved by her voice and her music. This album, her transitioning from 10,000 Maniacs and putting this out there, you know, was powerful. And the beautiful songs that still hold up today. Yes. You can hear them still so raw or how she changes them up now with all of the different orchestra and, and all of those wind instruments that she loves to add now to all of her songs. Um, it's a beautiful album. I really have loved getting back into it and just reminding myself of it, but I have to admit it's not my favorite. Ophelia, I feel definitely came in hot after. I respect that. That's a fire album is my favorite. It's great. I can see why I absolutely can see why. And, you know, in terms of Tiger Lily, Natalie doesn't really put out a lot these days, but she actually re-recorded the songs from this entire album in 2015 to commemorate the album's 20th anniversary. That album is called Paradise is There, the new Tiger Lily recordings. That was her seventh solo album. And I listened to it. I liked it. It's different. Gazette Review says, despite being the same basic songs as the original album, this new version had a completely different feel which I would agree with, and helped show Merchant's growth as an artist and as a person in the 20 years since Tiger Lily. The review went on to say that while critics loved the new Tiger Lily recordings, quote, many people felt it could not hold a candle to the wide-eyed innocence of a younger merchant, but in its own Mm -hmm. right, the album was taken to be a stellar representation of not just modern folk, but of motherhood and femininity. Mm. I wanted to love this because I love her. And there is certainly a maturity and a true wisdom to her voice. This album, there's a knowing to it that does not exist in the original recording. I I feel like the original recording had a lot more questioning to it, a lot more wondering. and, And that is you know, I guess from youth, I appreciated the 2015 re-recording, but in truth, I don't love it as much as the original. 
I would be interested to know what you think about it, Lori. There's something about the simplicity to her and this album, right? I mean, she says she can hear so many errors with Tiger Lily, you know, how she was just clunking along and trying to figure it out. Um, but the simplicity and just of her youth of, you know, being 30 years old compared to being 50 years old, and you've already done it. You know, you've traveled the world, you've, you've done everything you've, you put out many albums and now you're, you're re you're doing it again at 50 and she has a lot of freedom. She has a lot of control to, to make it how she now envisions it at 50, right. but it's so special hearing it in the original way. Um, I, I agree with you. I love the original tiger Lily better than I yeah. do paradise is yours. And maybe that's because it takes us back to that time in our lives. And so yeah. to hear it in another way, I feel like it somehow changes the memory in a way that I'm not really willing to let go of. How does her voice not change? I don't know. I mean, her voice still sounds just like it did at 30. And at 30, it was like she was 50. You know, she was yes. so, it seemed like she was so mature, yes. so smart. Like, tell us, tell, tell us everything we need to know, you know? Yes. No, I agree. You guys check it out. See what you think. See what you think for yourself. I'll put a poll on Instagram and I'll ask you guys which recording you prefer better. Let's jump into 10,000 Maniacs. We're taking a giant leap backwards now. So uh, we're, we're kicking it back to 1992. Let's talk about These Are Days. This was the lead single from their 92 album, Our Time in Eden. This song reached number 28 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 200. In the video, we open on Natalie in a white sweater and skirt, and she's like, holding her beautiful angelic face in her hands as the wind blows. And we see like the tops of buildings behind her. Like She's dancing on the roof of a building and she keeps dancing to the edge of the building. The special effects don't look great. I'm sure for the time they were amazing. (laughs) Now it looks a little hokey, but okay. So it's basically a story because that footage of Natalie is all in color when she's on the rooftop. But then we cut to like black and white footage of kids playing in the woods and there's two boys and two girls. At one point in the video, we see a teenage boy and girl lying down together in the woods and their feet touch. And it's like, oh, young love. And, you know, we keep cutting back to Natalie. At one point, it looks like she's doing the running man on the edge of the building. (laughs) (laughs) I got a good laugh out of that. But this is what I wanted to ask you. So we cut back to the teenage couples and a teen boy and a teen girl run up to each other in the woods. And the boy has written on his forehead, kiss me quick. And the girl lifts up her sweater to reveal her stomach. And it says, squeeze me slow. Is kiss me quick, squeeze me slow a reference to something I don't know? I don't know, Lori. No. I I barely even noticed the words on them for whatever reason. I was just really focused on, you know, that it was about young love, right? And just, oh my gosh, there's just something so special and, you know, about that young love feeling, right? I mean, you met your husband when you were what? We went to junior high together, but I didn't know him. In his John Bender stage? Yes. I didn't really notice him until drama class. 
right? I'm like, who is this guy sitting in the back of the room? I've never seen him before because I never really saw him. And he said, we had many conversations. You're like, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, right. That that's so special. And you met your husband young too, right? I did. I was 17 and he was 18. It was right after high school. It's funny because when I listen to this song, it doesn't make me think of young love. Like the video tells me that that's what this is about, but I see it more as being present in the growing moments in your life, the really special moments and all the beauty that's in store for you when you're a young person. That's Mm -hmm. how I see it. I almost see it as like a parent looking ahead to their child rather than a story of young love. But I mean, these songs can say different things to different people. Oh yeah, they do. But it's definitely about being present and enjoying the moment. You know, as a parent, we're constantly being told it goes so fast. It goes so fast. And you just feel overwhelmed with that. I mean, I know I do as a mom, you know, having my kids and, um, you know, I was 32 when I had my first kid, 35, my second, and I already felt older and I'm like, I'm trying, I'm trying to enjoy every single thing, you know, Soak stop saying that. <laughs> It's a heavy burden to feel like relish it all, experience it all. And it's like, I want to, I just wish I wasn't so busy. I guess if nothing else, the pandemic gave us an opportunity, at least for a time to slow it down a bit. Absolutely. Let's touch on the MTV Unplugged, 10,000 Maniacs, Because the Night. This was actually Natalie's last recording with the band, the Unplugged Performance. And did you know the song was actually a cover? I didn't know that. No, I didn't even know that. Yes. Bruce Springsteen and Patti Smith wrote the song and the Patti Smith group released it on their album Easter in 1977. I put out an episode on Bruce Springsteen, Born in the USA, and we get to hear some fun stories about Bruce as a, as a man and a mentor. So I highly recommend you check that out. But this song is so beautiful and it is so fantastic live. You know, there are a few live songs that get like regular radio play. And I always think like, God, I wish I was there. This is such a beautiful live performance. Her voice is so on point. You feel the passion and the fire. What are your feelings about this song? Oh, I want to hear it right now. I, oh my God, I want to so hear good. it right now. I want to dance to it right now. Yes. Seeing the unplugged and seeing her there as a conductor singing, you know, she's in all of her nineties glory, mm-hmm. the cute haircut, Love it. You know, the cute outfit, yep. chunky shoes. Yes. I mean, she is rocking it. Like she's, she's moving and grooving and you're so with it. And I just love this song. I love her happier songs, whether it's with 10,000 maniacs or whether it's um, her solo stuff. I really do. I, I, I love seeing Natalie smile and dance and move like a lighter side to her. I really do. I, I really like to see that lighter side and maybe it's me. <laughs> <laughs> because I am a crier, I can't handle so much of the heavy stuff. It's just like, too much, Natalie. <laughs> I need the lighter stuff. Yes. I need to, to move and be. And also, I love her version of Jolene. Oh, yes. I mean, God, what a fantastic song. Oh, so good with her voice. I know. And it's like that song is covered very regularly, but like Natalie, Natalie's version. Oh, nailed it. Nailed it. It's one of my favorite from the um, MTV Unplugged album. So good. 
So in terms of Natalie today, she told Forbes in 2019, I don't do a lot of interviews. I don't put out a lot of albums and I don't tour that much. I'd say 80% of my efforts over the last 15 years have been devoted to activism and it's quiet activism. Most of it is under the radar. She actually volunteers at a Head Start program three days a week where she brings music to the kids. And it's so beautiful. She said, I work with children who are very needy, poor children, and I bring them music. It's a very direct kind of exchange. It's very powerful, very fulfilling, but it's also a very visceral kind of education for me about what children need and what needs aren't being met for so many children. It feels like I'm dealing with a microcosm of the world, of the entire world in these children. And I see so much beauty and intelligence and potential in these children. And I'm worried about them. She's worried about them. They also inspire her because when she came off tour from 10,000 Maniacs after she quit the band, she went back and she was with kids in a homeless shelter, right? So these kids, they really needed help and support. And she worked there for over a year. So it's so lovely to hear that even today, she's still involved with the youth of America and really making an impact. I mean, being that mother, that motherly person that I had felt in her music, like she's a nurturer one, she is a nurturer. And so it makes sense to me that she would be so inspired and want to help these kids that need it the most. I mean, just so beautiful for taking her time to, to do that. I mean, I know I follow her on social media and, you know, she never posts it's, or it's somebody else who posts for her. Um, so you really don't get to learn a lot about her. She is kind of an enigma. Like she feels yes. almost like a mystery to me. And I, I love that about her because I feel like none of us will truly ever really know her because she holds that so private and dear. I feel like she believes the best parts of herself are in service. And so that's mm-hmm. what she does. And, and she said, it's quiet activism. It's not all out there loud and proud. It's, it's, I'm, you know, on the ground doing the work. And she said she's more active in music than she's ever been in terms of performing for these kids. And she says, I sing like 20 hours a week and my audience is so immediate and their responses are so pure. I've never seen such ecstasy and joy. So she's fully fulfilled in this. And and she basically said in terms of future albums, she's like, recording doesn't really make a lot of sense for me. Like I'm a mom. I don't want to go out on tour and be gone all the time. Like I want to be able to give my music in this sort of intimate way. And, you know, selling records is it's different. Now the industry has changed. I feel really lucky that I was part of it when I was, but like, I'm done now. Mm -hmm. Like I did my time. If you want to check out Natalie Merchant, learn more about her history, especially there's a really cool interactive timeline on her website about her life and career at nataliemerchant.com. And of course you can find all the lyrics to her music, any news, any, you know, small touring that she does. It's kind of on her terms. And I love that so much about her. I do too. I really do. And um, I think she's always been that way. You know, she's yeah. brought in those those tough topics about social injustice through 10,000 Maniacs, through her solo albums. So it makes sense that she is really fulfilled serving children. Right. And she doesn't need much else. 
right? So that's so beautiful. And it just makes me love her more. I want her to be my big sister. I want her to be my mama. (laughs) She is, she has been (laughs) our whole formative years. Like she was our big sister. And I still feel like she serves as an inspiration today for all of us about how we can serve our communities, even just in a very local sense. God love Natalie Merchant. And she's living her best life now. Lori, I have to tell you, like I follow you on social media and it feels like you're living your best life. (laughs) Of course, like I said at the top of the pod, you're a yoga instructor. You're part owner of Yoga Tavana. And I always see you posting these videos and you're often with your kids and you're doing yoga. You're always out doing new things. You guys like to travel. And before we even started this episode, I was like, okay, I am here with Laurie. I'm going to do some like stretches. I'm going to like, you know, get the (laughs) blood flowing. I'm going to do this. Like, I feel like I owe it to Laurie. I feel like I owe it to Natalie. I feel like Natalie practices yoga. I don't know that she does, but it seems like she would. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I have an app. So I was like, yeah, I could do some stretches. (laughs) I'm like, so not flexible. I'm not flexible in my body. I'm not flexible in my spirit. I'm not flexible in my life. So when I see you and you always have such a sense of calm and peace, and I'm like, I think this is what's missing in my life. I think I need some yoga in my life. But what do you say to someone who's like me? Yoga feels intimidating to me. How do you make yoga accessible to folks that are intimidated by it? Yeah, I think that's a good question. And, you know, I think you're so right when you say that you don't feel flexible, not only in your body, but in other parts of your life, because I really feel for me that I have been flexible, not only in my body, but other aspects of my life. And I think that's a conversation for another time, but What I love about yoga is the fact that it just enhances everything you do. I know you love to walk, Lori, and being able to stretch and breathe and helping that anxiety, helping that busy, busy mind that we have going on. You know, not only am I a yoga teacher, but I'm also a health educator on speaking on subjects of emotional well-being and nutrition. And it comes down to is just finding a time that you're dedicating for yourself to, I hate to say the word, but to relax, right? So what are your relaxation techniques? And for me, it's been yoga and, you know, discovering it in, in college and just, you know, loving to being part of theater and being so creative and, And going back to Natalie, listening to Natalie um, and how that was such a creative time in my life. And, you know, when we find time to relax, to let our mind just to calm, like that's when we can be creative. That's when we really can get the juices flowing. And I know you feel that when you're exercising, you're walking. And I mean, I know for me, when I'm doing my walks and stuff, and, and that's when a lot of ideas and things pop in, but it's the time when we're the most relaxed, where we can get creative and, you know, we need to do that for ourselves. There's so much that we're taking in that we're seeing, we're feeling that it's just really important that we we're doing something that, that helps us. It, it enhances anything, whatever you do. I know your husband likes to bike, 
I love that about yoga and that, you know, it enhances, you know, being able to, to run, to bike, to walk. It's, it's moving your body in different ways. Not really these crazy postures that I post the other poses, right? The most, the relatable ones, the ones that we can get into. I post those pictures to fire, right? Because I have been, you know, doing yoga since 1998 and it's just been something that I was so grateful that I found in my life, being able to create that relaxation technique for myself. And especially being a mom and working in the corporate world, needing something else. And the beauty of yoga is that you really can do it everywhere. And you do. (laughs) I've seen pictures and video of you practicing yoga in the most incredible places. And you don't need any equipment. You don't need anything more than your own body and some time that you carve out to dedicate to yourself. And I see your family doing yoga with you. You're setting such a great example for your kids. And wow, like feel like this is maybe what's missing in my life because it's not just what it gives me. It's also the opportunity to be together with your family and be not only working on your body and finding your sense of calm and curbing anxiety and things like that. It's also the ability to share in that together as a communal experience, if you will. Do you have a time that you set aside with your family specifically to do this? Well, I'm also dealing with onset of teenager, teenagers, (laughs) which is its own thing. Yes. So depending on the mood, Mm -hmm. right. I can get them to do yoga with me, but say if I label it as want to take a flexibility class with me, they'll be more prone to that because yoga is something that mom does or makes us do. But as far as you're talking about the community that really sparked something for me, because I love being a student to yoga. That is my favorite. I I love someone guiding me, telling me the poses to do. So you still do that. Even as an instructor, you still take classes. Yes. I still take classes. Yes. Always a student to the practice you know, continuing to learn about the philosophy, continuing to learn about Ayurveda, the nutrition side, right? But what I love about teaching is the community side. And I do live in Pasadena. You know, I have this great group of people and being able to connect with them. And we went through the pandemic together when the studio that I was working in closed, like so many studios Uh across the country closed. So from there, we shifted and created Yoga Devana, which which is an online platform for us to continue. And it's like, wow, we went through all of that together. And so now we're slowly, you know, meeting back up at parks and being together again. And never would I have imagined this. I would never imagined me teaching online, let alone in a park. So I'm so grateful for the experience. I'm so grateful for that community connection that I needed so bad when we were at home and just so isolated. Right. And being able to serve them as much as they were serving me. And all I had to do was just show up and, you know, turn the camera on and us doing yoga to, again together. And um, I really feel that we created a bond and, you know, but as soon as California opened up, everyone was like, I'm outside and I don't blame them at all. 
So Yoga Tivana offers online classes and some in-person instruction too. I'm going to go ahead and put the links for scheduling classes with you, Lori, and people can check out Yoga Tivana and find out more about it. Do you get a lot of newbies? Let me just tell you, I took one yoga class once in my life and it was a beginning yoga class. And like I told you, I'm not flexible. I didn't really know what I was doing. And the guy next to me was so mansplainy. I mean, he was like trying to guide me through. I'm like, you're a student. You are not a yoga teacher. Do not talk to me. I really didn't like that experience. But what do you say to the person who's maybe afraid of being judged? Do you have people of all levels come to these classes? Yes. So people of all levels. Okay. But it's really hard for us to be on our mat and not compare ourselves to other people. It's right. just natural. It's what we do. Okay. Um, and there's no avoiding that, right? That is something that one person has to get over. And hopefully as they continue their practice, they'll realize how it is such a, a solo individual journey through the class, right? That you're really just trying to work on yourself. And I, what I love about studios that don't have mirrors, I don't want to go to a yoga studio that that has any mirrors. I want to just roll out my mat and I want to be able to work through this. Interesting. Stuff, right? I didn't even consider that with the mirrors, but you're absolutely right because I don't want to see myself trying to do something that I'm struggling with. I just want to be able to focus on the journey of being in that moment and trying to connect to myself in ways that I haven't been able to do before. I think a mirror would really distract me from that. Yes. So no mirrors and, you know, really the point of all of those crazy poses is to get to a place of peace, right? Where we can be able to meditate. And we know through so much research, all of the benefits of meditating and just that healing of the mind. We know that that more than just keeping us creative, keeps us sharp. And it just Gosh, there's so much. I'm sure that the practice snowballs into other things. Yes. And it does. It's giving that space to be creative, right? And you're taking care of yourself so that you can take care of others. And I really think that Natalie is a yogi in a true sense of the word that she has put herself in a position where she is serving others, right? She's so solid. She has taken care of herself. And so now that she is serving others. And that is true happiness. And we know that that brings happiness when we're able to, you know, be part of community and to serve our community. So Natalie is a true yogi in every sense of the word. I get that sense from her too. And in terms of yoga Tivana and the practice and philosophy, would you say that your space is very inclusive? Because this is something that I know a lot of people think about too, like, okay, What if I have a different body type? What if I'm older than, you know, we all like sort of have this idea of what people who do yoga look like. They're of a certain age. They look a certain way. They have a certain body type. Are you seeing people of all walks of life, of all ages, shapes, sizes, they're working on their practice? Is that something that we can feel confident in when we attend a class that there's like a judgment-free zone? Yes. Yoga is accessible to all. I mean, even just sitting down and just being able to meditate, being able to sit down cross-legged, not everybody can do that. Not everybody can get down on the Mm -hmm. ground and do that. And for me, 
I want to be a grandma one day. I want to be able to get down on my knees and play with my grandkids. What I love about this practice is that if you keep doing it, if you keep showing up, you will be able to continue your practice throughout your whole life. And um, if you can get past your own insecurities about what you think yoga is, and just to go in there with an open mind and find the right teacher that speaks to you, that sequences a class that you enjoy, and that you can really just turn off your day, turn off what you have to do next and find that connection. So for me, it has always been about the teacher. And I actually like a male voice. I actually like male teachers. They're the ones who, you know, speak to me the most. Um, But I've had all types of teachers, but really it's just finding that connection, you know, again, finding that safe space, let go and be able to just turn it off and get into the practice. And looking at Yoga Tivana, it looks like it's a real space dedicated to the power of community. So it looks like a very supportive environment. And I really appreciate that as someone who is interested in beginning a yoga practice, but, you know, honestly does feel a little intimidated by it. Right. If we can just get ourselves out of the way. out. (laughs) It's the (laughs) hardest thing in the world. Folks can book with you for a virtual session and in person as well. Yes, absolutely. So if you're in the Pasadena area, check that out. If you want to work with Lori in person, otherwise uh, we'll put the links in the show notes. So you can take a virtual yoga class with Lori. She's fantastic. And you can follow her on social media at Lori Kristen. I'll put the link in the show notes as well as at yoga Tivana. So thank you so much, Lori, for joining me. It was such a pleasure to have you here and your calm vibe and your positive spirit really comes through in all you do. And I just, I'm so thankful that you took the time to join me. Oh my goodness. The pleasure is all mine, Lori. Thank you so much for having me and being able to talk about the true yogi, Natalie Merchant. The true yogi, Natalie Merchant. Thank you so much, you guys, for listening. I'd like to remind you to rate and subscribe so you never miss an episode. You can find us on the web at theuntitledgenxpodcast.com. We're also on Facebook and Instagram at theuntitledgenxpodcast. We hope you keep in touch, beautiful people. Bye. Bye.